Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and this is Tech. Well, that was a dud. Mark Malnichuk, our producer, said, "Are you going to do that again?" And I said, "Yeah." And I think I'll I'll defer to Mark's uh, impeccable judgment when it comes time for the 59th edition of the Rider Rumblings Video Podcast. Um, this is Murray McCormick, our venerable football writer slash foodie. It's not like you to give up on a bad joke. I'm surprised you're not going to let that one die. We'll, uh, we'll try it next show. About the 86th edition, okay. if, if I'm here long enough, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll ash can it. Our, uh, we're, we're very lucky and, and fortunate to have with us today Greg McCullough of the Piffles Podcast. Uh, Greg, thank you for uh, for joining us. Uh, no need to butter me up. I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you, it's always your prerogative to leave. That is true. And uh, the door is not locked, so and we aren't good company, so... And I'm, okay. <laughs> that was Greg McCullough of the Piffles podcast. Myriad issues to talk about, a different tenor than last week's discussion. Uh, a week ago, we were talking about the Rough Riders defeating the Toronto Argonauts 32-7, to and we were talking a lot about Gainer. Um, I think we'll talk a lot about uh, Gainer. There's still some Gainer discussion, but that seems yeah. to have subsided now that they've placated the masses by changing the contact lenses. I can't believe we're discussing this. It was good. I liked the video. It was funny. It was you know, poked a little fun at themselves, poked a little fun at Gainer, maybe poked a little fun at the whole Rider Nation for that reaction. It was a good way to kind of clean up a, what turned out to be a far heavier reaction to a pair of eyes than I expected. I'm wondering, like, did they plan it this way all along? Did they figure, okay, there's no. going to be a, an outcry because we're making him so scary that people are going to recoil. And then the following week, we've only five days later, we can follow up with this video and Gainer saves the day. I don't. Uh, was this all part of a part of a roll, rollout that was scripted, or was it was the response in reaction to the uh, response? That's one hell of a troll if that's what they were planning on doing. <laughs> exactly. I got to admit that. Um, I'm actually very surprised. I guess pleasantly surprised. Um, if anything, from the fans for the last couple of years, they've always complained that the team never listens. So if they set it up that way, that's smart. But. But Gaynor has also become irrelevant over the last few years. I really think since they moved to the new stadium, they have, you know, I saw it, they have to get so much advertising in and so many times. There's no time for Gaynor to do the Gaynor antics. So it just sort of become the cute little mascot that everyone kind of paid attention to but never really paid attention because the scoreboard does all the work now. That's where, and that's arguably in the way that I have to say the last two games, the game day product has improved. I think it's, it's more NBA-like, more that uh, lacrosse, Lots of partying going on, lots of things going on. And I know you're going to... I want to have an argument. No, I'm not going to let you. We're not even going there, Grandpa. I want to have... You're older than me. (laughs) Why do they... These are the world's greatest fans with a little TM beside it for the trademark, whatever it is. Why do the world's greatest fans, even though they don't sell out the stadium anymore, need to be told to make some noise? Shouldn't this happen organically? Are they doing it as much? They're screaming at people. It's... The, like, calm down. I remember when they first started rolling out those make noise and having the players jumping in out of the screen. And everyone's like, well, why are they doing that? We're supposed to be the world's greatest fans. I'm like, there's still new fans that come and don't understand. I Believe me, we can't have the world's greatest fans if we still do the wave during the offense. And true. that, that yeah. drives me up the wall. To know. Good, yeah. See, my true. contention is that sometimes the choreographed noise or the prepackaged noise actually deters the fans from creating their own buzz. I go back to the Memorial Cup in 2018 and a bunch of, a group of Pats fans started chanting, go Pats, go. Other people joined in and suddenly there was quite a, an audible go Pats, go Pats, go chant in the building. 
suddenly somebody pressed a button and there was like a bunch of cacophonous clatter and the chant was drowned out. They're so preoccupied with, teams are so preoccupied with filling these gaps with noise and music and activity that I think at some, at some time. And advertisers. And advertisers. Yes. I think at some point it, it squelches the people who are at the game and might be inclined to create a bit of a buzz because where's their window anymore? Yeah, I guess, Grandpa. That's you know, okay. It drives can, me nuts. Like, make was, some noise. Who needs I that? I love it when you go old and gray. It used to drive Just me to, nuts. You'd listen to the Calgary I listen, the Calgary Stampeders game, for example, and you'd hear well, the, the guys screaming all the time. And I wrote on several occasions, thank goodness that doesn't happen here. And well, now, now they've now they've got the make some noise exhortation. I just wish that yeah. would. But I kind of like the things they're doing on the scoreboard. I think it's kind of fun, the videos with the players and those kind of things. And they brought up the junior reported earlier in the game, which I always like the junior. And I may be old, but I'm never tiring of the kiss cam. There's from people not kissing their sister to everybody else. I think the kiss cam is one of the greatest things in sports. And I will always take time to watch out the kiss cam. I got bad news for you. That camera there, <laughs> today is the kiss cam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, that's amore. Yeah, um, <laughs> I hurt my hand here. Uh, okay? lawsuit, I said, lower um, body if you don't like the kiss cam, I don't think I can like you. <laughs> and, so as, and as long as it's sponsored, they ain't getting rid of it. So Exactly. Yeah, and exactly. These, these segments will always have a place as long as they can find a sponsor for it. Junior report, uh, reporter's not going anywhere because it's cute and it's fun. Plus, you got it away with the fourth quarter. Because I, I really think you can talk about everything going on. When they get to the fourth quarter, I think the focus turns to football. Not, not on Saturday. Not on Saturday. <laughs> not on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. As painful as that might be, but that's the way it kind of geared towards. Everyone parties for the first three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, they start paying attention. Of course, I'm never watching because I'm ready for the web and stuff, but that's just my my observation. Anyway, I think we spent enough talk on this. Sorry, I, I got off on that tangent. I don't know do, how Do you want I to talk it. about, but maybe they should have had more of this entertainment in the first quarter too. When Where the was that? Had, had all of six plays, six offensive plays, counting two punts. Oh, like their, and, first, their first two um, series? First two series concluded with a sack and then a punt. Um, I thought we took the uh, bye week early. Yeah. By a day. It, that, was, that was garbage. Play. I'm trying to think if I've seen a worse defensive performance by a rider team since Tory Chamberlain's days. And I kind of remember Hamilton was kind of bad, but that one from the tackling to the scheming to the lack of pass rush to the lack of pass coverage to Solomon Means actually having the gall to say that wasn't a pass interference call when he ran into the guy. He said that? Well, it's a, yeah, they kind of said it wasn't a pass interference call. I'm going, well, Craig Enlick, wow. I'm going, I've watched it. That was pass interference. He didn't turn his head, didn't do anything. He just ran into the guy. So Solomon had a tough day. They kind of found him pretty quickly for what? Yeah, two Solomons had a tough day by the looks of things. Yeah, well, two two pass interferences and an illegal contact on the one guy. But it's not all on him. I think it can. There's enough blame to fill the whole twelve guys or whatever. How many guys they play on defense? And the, wor- the worst part, the worst <laughs> part was see. though they'd make a big play for an, like a sack for ten yards, and they're over the top and that back to first down again. Yeah. They cannot keep anything consistent, and that tackling was the worst tackling I've seen since. Yeah, no, Jordan Murtaugh will always hold a special place. Oh, in the my Matador, life. Matador, he made Matador. I don't understand how Jo didn't go downstairs and tell him to pack his bags immediately after the game on that one. And he still stuck. And I'll give him credit; he talked about it. He did an interview and talked about it. But it was still, I can still see that one. Him and another great tackler, Macho Harris, were always two guys that were always my favorites. But what has happened to this vaunted defense? And I'll qualify that by saying last week when we were sitting here, we were talking about how well the defense was playing. That was probably influenced heavily by the Toronto Argonauts but and their futility. But uh, this defense looked a lot like it did against Ottawa in 
to say, that is to say there really wasn't a semblance of a defense. What is that going to be what we're going to be seeing? How bad are the Argonauts? You know, is it, <laughs> was it just a function of playing the Argonauts or the riders That's, just, are the riders good enough to beat, beat Toronto and then everybody else is going to be a, a struggle? What, what do we make of this team? What do we make of this defense? It's, it's a limited sample, only four games, but. Going into the season, we were talking every podcast about how the offense is going to be the question mark and the defense, who cares about the defense? Like, look at our front seven, look at our defensive back. The core is basically there. I, I have no answers for what's going on here. If you look at that defense on paper, they should be destroying every offensive line in this league. But other than AC Leonard getting around the end and Charleston Hughes there occasionally, I don't know what's going on with us. And you thought, I thought the middle of the defense would be the this middle of the defensive line would be a strength. But then you look at the the way the Ar- the Argos, the way Calgary was able to run the ball and often right up the middle. And often That's he was alarming. eight yards before he was even touched. Like there wasn't even a guy in, in the in the zone in the area code when they were going after this. I care like I don't know. Do you've heard of Kadeem Carey before yesterday before Saturday's game? I, I, I didn't I, hear. I, I heard of him, but I didn't hear his name as much as I heard it on Saturday. It was. And he only had play. like sixty yards. Yeah, and Ter- Terry Williams uh, had fifty eight. They, they just they just were they efficient when they death. ran the ball and the, the screen passes worked well. It just the Riders really never had a handle on what Calgary was inclined to do, let alone a command of what was needed to do to stop it. They were just yeah. off guard the Offensively whole time. Offensively and defensively. Yeah, <laughs> special it, teams is a little bit better, but. But, you know, there didn't really matter that much. I mean, the, the one rider touchdown, Cody Fajardo scored it, but it was a 68-yard kickoff returned by Lucia's Purifoy that, that made that happen. So the offense really didn't even march into position where... That 108-yard drive, no, from... I've got them buried. you got a first-year quarterback, and you got him on the two-yard line. You have this vaunted defense, and you get a pass interference. Boom. And it's, and it's done. You knew right then it was... You know, it was kind of back in the days, Rob, and I'd say, you know they're not coming back from this. You know there was we said there Ken Miller's later days and Corey Chamberlain's and stuff. You, you knew they weren't coming back. And after that, you knew it was done, no matter who, if they, if they managed to get Kevin Glenn to come back out of retirement quickly. Even when but, they were, they narrowed the gap to 15 to 10, though, you really never felt that Calgary wasn't in control of the game. At least I didn't, Greg. I, I In typical rider fashion, I expected they'll get us within a touchdown and then still find a way to blow it. Um, especially after they put Harker in, because I'm like, oh, great, here we go, two weeks of Harkamania running wild uh, through the nation. <laughs> yeah, well, you guaranteed that didn't happen. Yeah. There's, there's the token wrestling reference. There you go. Yeah. I, I can make more. Yeah, please me. do. Um, look at the shirt, but I, I digress. <laughs> um, but it's yeah, they just could not seem to get a handle on Calgary. And like I tweeted out after the game, the only thing this proves is the East still sucks, and Calgary will always be Calgary. Doesn't matter who they put in front of you; they're, they've always got an X man up, and they're always going to be top of this league. And it's not just word service next man up. Like every team says next man up. They no, all they, say that. They, they actually have the depth. They have the depth. Like Nick Arbuckle played better than Cody Fajardo has played in the last two games. I think he was more. They only missed three passes. I can't remember the three passes he missed. He moved the ball effectively. He did everything he had to do. Cody Fajardo, and I know. We were all singing his praises for beating the Argos and almost coming back against the Red Blacks, but he looked like a guy who hasn't played a lot in that game, I think. I think he made his happy feet. He didn't appear to be, you know, he got scrambled, got forced out of the pocket a lot. He just didn't look like Cody Fajardo that we kind of expected to see against that. Like, really, was there a play that he made? You went, oh, what a great play by well, Cody. There, there was a nice throw to, to Naaman Roosevelt yeah, over the middle. Aside that, from that, he was sometimes scrambling as he acknowledged when he didn't really need to. Yeah. And 
and just didn't look like the confident, poised quarterback that, yeah. that he was against Ottawa and Toronto. But again, it's also somebody who's making his third CFL start. And I think it's I think you can throw Cody, Cody Fajardo a mulligan for that. But when I see experienced defensive players faltering, players with credentials, a defense with credentials, a defense that has been the strength of the team, when I see that faltering, I'm a lot more concerned than I am about Cody Fajardo hitting the inevitable speed bump. Is is that fair or am I absolving well, the but, offense too I'm readily? Sorry, Considering how the ride is lost, there's very little uproar. No one's saying, oh, no, this is the end of the world or one in three. Want to see my inbox? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, don't, I haven't noticed much that people are being as critical as this one as they might have been. Let's say whoever was, was it maybe they because of Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day getting a bit of a honeymoon, but I, I don't seem to notice the uproar of people saying, "Oh, this is the end of the world. This is not a team we're going to cheer for. I'm not going to buy tickets. I'm staying away." Got a funny looking gopher. And I was going to say they did that, they did that over Gainer. Who's care, who cares about the defense? Yeah. Let's talk about <laughs> but the thing about the defense is, um, like, Elmemian did not look right. Still, like, yeah. did they put him back too soon? Should they have waited? Till after the bye week, I mean, if you he, wait, if you wait another five days, then you got to you're giving him another two weeks. Exactly. Right? Like I, 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 I don't know what the point of throwing him out there was. Sooner or later, he's got to play. Well, I agree with you. And if he's, if he's ready to play, he's your big profile free agent. Play him. But I also think the linebacker core was perfectly all right without him. I agree, and that's why and I, don't I actually understand think a little better in. with Cameron Judge in there and, and Deshaun Davis on the uh, outside. And but Saul Aluminium. He's rusty, so now he's got his he's played, so now you can get him gets a couple of days a week off and then but I'm right, I found him non existent somewhere. When I look at this defense though, I look at the players and the credentials and I think, okay, on paper it, it adds up that this should be a dominant defense and it may turn out to be so. There were only four games in. But when I look at the, the the nature of that defense and the kind of buzz it creates on the field or the kind of havoc that it creates or used to create on the field. That's what I don't see. I don't see the energy. I don't see the unpredictability. I don't see the diversity that used to be a trademark of the defense under Craig, Craig Jones, Chris Jones. Um, you look at the many things that they could do with Willie Jefferson. You look at the many things that they could do with Toby Antigua, uh, Sam Aguavin covering the field from sideline to sideline. The different looks that that Chris Jones was able to show offenses, I don't see that anymore. Is that just a symptom of Willie Jefferson not being here anymore? They they don't have those jackknife players like Aguavin, uh, like Toby, like Willie. You could line those three up in any position, and you would have been fine. I don't think they've got one of those guys anymore. You had defense uh, offenses were guessing who was coming from where and who was backing off, and right now it's you're lining your front seven up. And it's conventional football. It's not, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary. I think they're relying. They they thought, okay, we've got a we've got a front four that has. I mean, there's three players in that front four who were all stars, divisional or league all stars last year, and and then you've got Zach Evans, who's a very reputable player. I think they were counting on, and perhaps still are counting on that front four being able to dictate the terms of the game, so that Calgary's basically trying to throw five or six receivers into eight people covering. If you look at what Calgary did on, on Saturday, they rushed with four, 83.8% of the time, and they were able to create pressure, or at least the threat of pressure. Because they were zone defense mostly back. You know, but the Calgary can rush with, with four and pull it off. The Riders rushed with four, and there really wasn't much there. They got they got three sacks, but two of the sacks, by both sacks by AC, AC Leonard were with the six-man pressure. Charleston Hughes with a four-man pressure. There's, there's not the physicalness. 
of a defense should be. And I know it's kind of say, how do you do that? They just don't seem to be playing with that level of intensity, that physicalness that came under Chris Jones. And, and Craig Dickinson mentioned too, they aren't sprinting to the ball. They didn't seem to have that Chris Jones hustle. Now, Jason Shivers is a Chris Jones disciple. And I think he understands how to coach a Chris Jones game. I wonder if he has the talent. As you said, there's no those those multi-purpose players that, you know, you walk up and there's A.C. Leonard or Willie Jefferson 20 yards deep covering a running back out of the backfield and picking up some of the slot back. They can't do that anymore, and I think that's hurting them right now. And they're going into the West. they got back-to-back games against the BC who, you know, Rouge, whatever you care about Rouges, they still won, and the guy missed the field goal and they still won. So BC's, they're going to be tied in BC because they could be in last place by not playing during the bye this week, which would be kind of scary. I don't know. You're looking at me like you want me to say something really insightful. No. Can I can I complain I, about? Can go I, ahead. I want to complain about the fact only in the CFL can you block a punt and get a roughing the punter call. How does that happen? What a stupid rule that, that is! Garbage. Unbelievable. Like who and does I, this stuff up? Yeah, and I understand. Glenn Suter kind of explained it to me. He said you have to be going straight on the guy, and if you block the punt and hit the punter, then it's not fine. You can't angle or anything. But the poor Jason Fry Jr. gets almost gets the onside kick, and one player gets the block punt. It doesn't get either of them. Yeah. So, sorry, that's my rant. I just can't believe you can block a punt and get a roughing the punter. I just find that unbelievable. Anyway, let's talk about the offense for a bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> now that we've totally we've dissected the defense, <laughs> much like the Calgary Stampeders did on, on Saturday. Um, note to I mean, Kobe Cofield. Note to Kobe Cofield. I watched that game. I didn't really think... I didn't think the, the, the offensive line was that bad in terms of protection. There were times when it looked like Cody Fajardo had a pocket yeah. and it's like a little bell went off in his head and he was stepping up into the pocket and thinking he had to, he had to run and he even said during his post game session, he saw a crease and, and took off. But it looked like for the most part, the time, the, the time that he was given wasn't a real issue. Um, when he threw the, the first interception to Roberson, it was a jailbreak and there were two or three guys in his face. When he threw the second interception to Roberson, he actually, it looked like he would have had some time in the pocket, but he pivoted and went to his left and then just ran himself out of field uh, and was, was picked off. But I'm not sure the protection was that Robert big of an issue. Too. Yeah. But he's got five picks. Five picks. The league leader last year had five picks. He's got yeah. it in three games. Yeah. Like, uh, What do you make of the uh, Cody Fajardo, the offense? I Cody Fajardo played like it was his third start. Like, yeah. we, we need to remember that, and I understand we are in Ryder Nation and no one has patience, but... He's going to have bad games, and this was a bad game. You just can't make a habit of it. Um, definitely when they were down, he looked like he was trying to do way too much, and he thought if he could move, maybe move the pocket with his legs and try to get that defense on their heels, maybe something would open up. But, yeah, that second interception, he should just either ran out of bounds or throw, threw it away. I don't know what he was thinking when he threw that one. You know what? The, the thinking subsequent to that puzzles me. Give him a chance to rally after that interception. Um, pulling him at that juncture, I thought, was a, was a bad decision by Craig Dickinson. Let's see how he handles it. Let's see if he learns from these mistakes. Let's see if he's resilient. Let's, this is a test of his character. And how often you want to see how the, the young quarterback can do against a defense such as Calgary's. So give him as much exposure to the tough, one of the tougher defenses you are going to find as you can. I don't think you can get an accurate read, as, it's, as has been shown, on Cody Fajardo by by just looking at how he plays against Ottawa or how he plays against Toronto. Well, okay, you're playing. This is where the bar is set in the entire CFL. You've got a young quarterback who's demonstrated some pros, some promise. Leave him in for another series or two and see how he responds to it. That's part of the 
the growing process, isn't it? Why was he taken out at that juncture? I, I just don't get that. I think Craig realized they weren't coming back with Cody. I think it was that obvious that the fact that unless they get someone going to spark things, they were going to, nothing was going to happen. And Isaiah gave him that bit of a Isaiah gave him that bit of a spark. But I, I just think Craig realized it was going nowhere with Cody. And I know you want to test him and see if he can bring him back, but. Even even Cody mentioned that they needed the spark and the game wasn't going to be won though they were no. they were done shortly after Tennille Arts finished the national anthem and she was yeah. great but um, I just wanted to see let's see how Cody Fajardo responds to the interception how does he handle adversity it had been a bit of a bit of a joyride for two for two games joyride <laughs> now it's now Incredibly. it's there's this is where the bar is set in the Canadian Football League leave him in for at least in our series and see how he. I remember Darian Durant's full, first full season at the start of 2009. There were many games where he would throw an interception and he would atone for it not long afterwards with a touchdown pass or a big run or a big play. And I remember Darian saying many times how he appreciated the faith that Ken Miller showed in him by not impulsively going to the bench and, and bringing in Stephen Giles. But, okay, let's see how Darian responds to the pick. And he threw more than 20 picks that year, but he also threw more than 20 touchdowns. They, they gave him a chance to spin out of it. I don't think that chance was given to Cody Fajardo on Saturday, and I'm not sure that was the right call. Am I just blowing gas here? No, I completely agree with you. That, But like I said, welcome to Rider Nation. Yeah. No one's got patience. Fans don't have patience. And on times, our coaches don't have patience. Look how many times uh, Jones pulled a running back for one uh, for the ball hitting the ground. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, everyone seems to think newer, faster, let's go, and – you you gotta have you gotta let the guy fail in order for him to succeed. But you also gotta get, and I know it goes back to what Ryder Nation wants him to do is develop another young quarterback. And how you're gonna get Isaac Harker in any games except for this blowout? Now get Isaac Harker in there, see if he can do something, give him a chance because they still don't have any options. You know, if Cody doesn't play well, Isaac Harker doesn't have the experience. I'm not saying I, I, that's what Craig's thinking, but I'm thinking that's what they were probably thinking. Even if you wait yeah. another series, I just wanted to—I wanted to see how Cody Fajardo, whether he could well, shake that off. I think he had lots off. of chances in that game, Rob, to show what he could do, and he, he ran wrong, and he scrambled wrong, and he had happy feet. I just think it wasn't. Uh, but how do you remedy that? You expose him to more of that and see if he can. You talk yeah. to him on the sidelines, you coach him up, and you say, "Okay, this is what you're doing wrong," and and what he what he did wrong was contributed to that second interception. Okay, they're going to keep doing this. They're still going to keep throwing the zone at you. They're still going to just stand in there. Like, yeah. why not reinforce this is what you did wrong on this play? Now go out there and do what you should do. That just that irked me, so I wrote about it. It's in my next column. I also thought of an interesting thing is that all these guys are leaving on the bye week. Remember when Darian Durant was a quarterback? He would stick around during the bye weeks and study film and do those kind of things. No, you can't tell the guys that have been away from home since the first week of May almost to stick around, but... Darren Durant gained from spending that extra time here studying film, working out, and those kind of things. And you kind of wonder, yeah, they, everyone deserves a break. You know, people, but, you know, Darren Durant had the right idea, I think, for him to stay, stay in the camp and stay working with other people and relaxing. But you can't tell people to stay home when a, when a guy's freshly married. and like I'm bringing up Cody Fajardo. He's newly married and kind of wants a bit of a break and get away from stuff. But. And you can always take the film with you anywhere yeah. you go on a device about as big as this. Yeah. So, I mean, who's to say that on the plane ride home, oh, back, in Cali- back in California, he's probably pouring over a film as it is. He just, it just oh, yeah. isn't as, uh, isn't as Maybe obvious. Maybe Darren wasn't have, those opportunities weren't there as much. But I, I remember when Darren, it was a big story. Remember that when he said he was going to stay in Regina? And, oh, yeah. oh, boy, what's he going to do? I think you wrote about it. I wrote about it. I think every year he stuck around for the bye week. I wrote, hey, Darren, they're sticking around for the bye well, week. Yeah, and, I think uh, so, yeah. I don't know. And, and you guys know happy wife, avoid the knife. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I'm in that. trouble then. I didn't know that either. Hey, what do you think about the crowd? When you're looking out there and we see all these empty seats, what is that reflective of? Um, two things. Uh, you can probably speak to that better than I can because you're in the midst of that that mob. I um, I remember once upon a time when it was a big deal that the Riders got 28,012 on Rider Pride Day in 1979. It was unthinkable that the Riders would ever get 28,000 people or even 25,000 people, 24,000 people. So to sit here and say, oh, 29,140 whatever. Announced. Announced. Paid. Paid like so, that, that, that's how they that's how they define it. I was paid, yeah. and I I saw people freaking out about the attendance and it's the Calgary. How dare how come we're not sold out? Is this is that? There's a lot of factors that go in, and you guys know too. We all watch sports. the The experience is much better on TV. It is as it is now, and the games are more expensive to go to. But at the same time, if you look at the attendance over the league, riders right now are technically fourth if you round up they're actually tied for third with ottawa for percentage of attendance and you're looking at much smaller venues than what mosaic stadium is so we're leading the league by attendance average attendance by four thousand people it just looks worse because one it's rider nation and two it's a beautiful new stadium but you look at the leader right now in attendance is montreal and that's because they're they've shrunk that field down to twenty thousand people so yeah, of course they're at ninety eight percent attendance. But I, you can see you can see a bit of a, an erosion, and may, there's not a huge sample to to evaluate. But there's so many factors that play oh, into there's it. A, there's a ton of factors, unfortunately. There's like I said, cost, and it's fatigue. Like so many times, and more more and more fans are starting to feel forgotten by unfortunately this this franchise because they feel like they're taken advantage of. And I don't in think, what way? Oh, sorry. Um, you look at what other uh, season ticket holders and other um, other teams get compared to what the riders do. Like we got that safety bag and a couple lanyards and pocket schedules. I don't know who carries a pocket schedule on them so on them anymore. Um, BC they get discounts. Um, I for, I can't remember who last year got jerseys. Like um, they the fan perks I guess for ho- holding a season ticket is a lot better than it is here. Like we. we we were writing about it every year on our blog, and it just, it just got frustrating, so we just stopped talking about it. What's a safety bag? So it's clear bag. The clear bag, oh. like you know, in the NFL, you have to go in. You have to use the yellow. Oh, that happened to me in Denver. I got yeah, safety bagged in Denver. Yeah, yeah. You have to use the clear plastic bag to go through their security. I wouldn't be surprised if next year that's coming in because of the because uh, of this bag to speed up the process through those lines. Ah. But they, they didn't bring, I thought for sure when I saw that bag, that's what they were going to do, but they haven't done it yet. But Do you think there's as much a rivalry with the Stampedes as there used to be? It doesn't seem to be censors I hate on it. It seems to be more directed at Winnipeg. It depends if Bo Levi's playing too. Yeah, no Bo <laughs> Levi. Nick Arbuckle's not going to fire up a whole lot of Bo. And, you know, if, or if something is said, suppose the Dickinson brothers had decided that they were going to create a family chasm. No. Then uh, even that angle, you're not going to have, you're not going to have the, uh, the Discord and the Dickinson front, so you don't have, you don't have a lot of characters who are going to say things. Charleston Hughes used to say things that were that would make for an instant instant story. Those days are gone. But so. I don't I don't think players having a beef drives fans anymore. It's the people that go or the football the guys that want to watch football who care about football, and then there's people that want to take their families, and then there's people that go for the show, and that's why we have a DJ now. That's why there's standing room only. That's why they have all the stuff on the video screens that. Old man Rob doesn't like apparently. <laughs> Grandpa. Yeah, but 
people go for the experience now more than the game. The game, unfortunately, as professional sports goes, is now becoming secondary to the actual overall experience. You nailed it. It's easier to watch at home. Mm-hmm. It really is. I forget about sometimes because we go we go to every game, but we sit in the in that antiseptic world of the press box, which really doesn't lend itself to a whole lot of appreciation. But to watch the game at home, I know why people do it. I don't think the announcers are better. The cost is the cost, cost is unbeatable, is, and you're paying a lot of money for for a lot of these services you're subscribing to with TV now. And that's not cheap. You get your cable bill. But it's funny. I just you mentioned fatigue. I thought they'd get to 2021 or 2022 for fatigue because I thought they get. A great cup. So next year you got the excitement of the great cup. Next year you got a great cup here. Next, next year, next year might build, but this year it's just it's there's like no real. Well, the thing is, you're nailing is there's no personality to this team. No, there's no identity. Anymore. There's no guy you say I want my kid to grow up to be him. Cody Fajardo's a nice guy and good talker. There's no one on defense to say I want to rally behind that guy. There's no person on this. You're going to rally behind. I, don't know, I can't think of anybody on the offense who who, who's to Kobe who, Cofield. Who's the face of this franchise right now? Craig Dickinson. I still, I think it's Cody Fajardo. I think it's always if the quarterback does anything to make people talk, but you instantly become the face of the franchise. But I, that's I that's telling when somebody's only started three games. But if you put the, if you put Cody Fajardo on a billboard right now, how many people would go? Who the hell is that? Yeah. Who's wearing Western Wrestlers Western mm-hmm. Wrestlers number? Yeah. And that's part of the problem. Like you had Duran, you had Darian, you had all these guys that people would recognize. There's like and yes, people will recognize Charleston Hughes, but he's not talking this year. He's yeah. right. uh, there. There's a lack of presence by the riders. They it just feels like they think they can put on a football game. If you build it, they will come, and it doesn't feel that way. Even last year or the last three years, you could say, okay, this is Chris Jones's football team. Now there just isn't that same link between football operations person. You know, Craig Dickens. It's Craig Dickinson's team. It's Jeremy O'Day's team. But there's not that one individual. The, well, the, the most passion was for Gainer the Gopher yeah, of all year, of all, everything going along there. Like last year, even last year when they cut all those guys at, the, at training camp, you know, that drove a, created a little bit of buzz when they cut Bag and Grant. I hate to say it. buzz cut then, huh? Yeah, uh-huh. if Bag was here, yeah. like Safety Bag or Rob Bag? Oh, oh, boy. I, I love Ryder fans, and I actually went on a rant about how much I hate Ryder fans over the cutting of Rob Bag. Because yeah, I, I love the guy. He's one, one of my favorite players, and yeah, it's just. I remember when Katwana Jones got cut. And people reacted like, like they just cut a legend. It was just like, how could they cut Katwana Jones? His routine before the game is so cool. He fires up the taste. Katwana Jones, we're talking about yeah. here. So it doesn't yeah. surprise me that Rob Bag became that 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 issue. But that's you know part of the the thing that we lament or decry is one of the things that makes this fan base special is that they are they are invested, and the most picayune little details can such can become uh, a. Uh, a furor, and we look at Gainer Gate as a classic example. So, of that. What, do you, I know, what are you looking forward to in the bye week, Rob? Anything exciting you about the this week off with the riders? Um, I'm going to go for a nice series of bike rides. I think yeah. it's kinda, is, they it's need a, a bye week. I think they and I guess Craig mentioned it, they were tired and they look tired, but five days off between games, and I nothing care. I know I was tired after that five day on the five days between games. I like to think back to week to week. But well, a carpal tunnel does have its yeah, it drawbacks. Does have it, but I think the bye week is uh, something they need. And regardless of how they spend it, I know there's going to be guys with their noses buried in playbooks and they're going to be hanging out with their family and stuff. And hopefully they'll come back recharged. And boy, if they beat the Lions back to back, it's all we're back here in a couple of weeks. When do we start Claro's watch? Oh, don't. <laughs> this week. They, they, they can't do it, can they? I've seen this team do some pretty dumb things. That's very and true. I wouldn't be surprised. He plays. 
If he comes back, he plays. That's my thoughts. I don't think in good conscience, I know, if you're a coach or a I've been on this crusade before. I don't think you can put him on the field because if he gets hurt again, somebody's got to live with that. Not just Zach Claros physically, but yeah. if you're Jeremy O'Day, if you're Craig Dickinson, you've got to live with putting him back on the field and the possible consequences. And if the worst case scenario bears out. Well, you can't bring him back as a backup, bro. You can't. You can't do that. I so think it's not at that price tag. No. no. You know, although, I mean, they've already paid him more than half his salary. I mean, the, the, there was a front-loaded contract, so there aren't a lot of financial considerations from this point forward. But uh, I the, just, the way I look at it is... Don't it, do it, please. If, if they put him out there, he's Exhibit A in the next concussion lawsuit. Yeah. Because yeah. how can you put a guy with four concussions in a calendar year out there? Yeah. It's yeah. it's scary. I mean, he's, and he's, it's been kind of... Maybe it's not a concussion. Like, it's never been confirmed. I've heard neck injury. Upper body. Upper body, but it's concussion. I think you err on the side of caution. The 16 games that he's dressed for as a rider quarterback, including preseason, he's had to leave five of them, four of them after a hit to the head. So within three or four games, the percentages say there's going to be something injurious happening. I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong. I hope he enjoys a healthy, long life. And up until playing the Stampeders, Fajardo had actually outplayed him, hadn't he? Oh, he created more of a buzz in two starts than Zach Kalaros had in 15, right? But. We should wrap up. Greg, unlike us, has a life and responsibilities and integrity. So, <laughs> well, I got at least two of those. <laughs> well, I could go on and on, okay. just enumerating your many good qualities. Thank you so much for being with oh, us. Thanks for having uh, me. Greg McCullough with the Piffles Podcast. Would you like to tell us a bit about it and how people can get it? Uh, Piffles Podcast is a Rough Rider fan podcast. You can find us on our website, pifflespodcast.com, our Twitter at pifflespod, Facebook, search pifflespod. Just search Piffles Pod on any social media. Just We're on all the podcasting things you can find. And me at Greg on Sports. Just tell us quickly what Piffles means. Uh, named after Neil Piffles Taylor, which right. I'm surprised how many Ryder fans don't know that. That's what I'm thinking. How many they don't know who yeah, Piffles? It's, it's always like, what's, what's, what's a Piffle? Yeah. Really? They ask that question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. Say it's one wow. of the best chips around, I think, with the ones that hold all the flavor. No, those are Ruffles. The Ruffles so. yeah. I've got a Piffles, Piffles chapter in my upcoming book, 100 Things Every Rider Fan Should Know or Do Before They Die. So there's a Piffles Taylor um, chapter in there, and it explains how the Piffles nickname came about. Nice. So isn't that fascinating? Wait. Oh, absolutely. Coming out in November, and then it's going to get really shameless. Even more shameless than the oh. deployment of the uh, You iPhone. want to read that? You want me to read that? Um, Greg, do you want to read the honorary reader of the... Uh, thing <laughs> well i didn't know i had to do homework here yeah and you gotta you gotta do your old announcer voice with the cup deer just like uh oh. back in the you gotta do the oh, I thought I had to do like a cheesy radio announcer voice if you enjoy the podcast please leave a review and rating it helps us a lot it does you know you can subscribe to the show on apple podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts you'd like to send a, us a question you can and email rob at rvanstone at postmedia.com and we'll read it on the show no questions last week <laughs> you can follow rob <laughs> on twitter at rob vanstone and murray at murray lp awesome greg thanks awesome for coming you to greg. be with us yeah, thanks uh, for having me guys uh, murray uh, you're here dutifully but we thank you as well yes. i'm rob vanstone we'll do this again next week with the 59th edition of the rider Romans podcast take care and have a great bye week